Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Good morning, everyone. I get to bring you some more good news this morning. And definitely, Rebecca and I are excited to be here with you this morning for both your services and to connect with you. It does feel like home. That was Rebecca's words. She said it already feels like home. And that's why she made herself at home to already take one of your kids and hold on to them and have some fun. But we are excited to be here in this service this morning. Um, as we introduce ourselves, I'm actually a graduate of Emmanuel Bible College, 1993. You can figure out my age now, right? And Rebecca's a graduate of U of W, 1996. So we are kind of some homegrown people here in the city. And we, our hearts are definitely for Waterloo Region, for KW and beyond. We've been pastoring, uh, prior to being at Koinonia, we were pastoring in a missionary church here in the city for 17 years. And then we transitioned over to Pastor Steve and Beth in the Koinia community. And now we are so excited to see what God has in store as he brings our two churches together. This is something to, uh, to ramp your faith toward, to increase your prayer toward, to say, oh God, this sounds like it's bigger than me. Is that how you feel? I know that's what I feel regularly. And it's like, God, this is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. It's something that you have in store, and we truly sense this. Rebecca and I have had a, a beautiful time this past year, literal year, 12 plus months, walking with your lead pastors, Brandon and Emma, and getting to know them. Uh, we knew them before the year began, but this whole God idea has just taken us a whole lot deeper. And Pastor Brandon and I have spent time praying together, uh, laughing together, uh, looking each other in the eyes and making sure that we both understand what God is doing. And we have grown in excitement to see what God has in store. Truly, I believe it, the song that we sang this morning, Resurrender, it captures a little bit of what God's calling our hearts to, is that we would take and bring to God what he has given to us. He's given you Slate Church. He's given us Koinonia Church. And he's saying, guys, would you give those back to me? And would you trust me to see what I can do with my church? First, Jesus who said, I will build my church, right? Matthew 16. And so we are excited to be on this journey with all of you and coming to something that truly we believe will bring God glory. And that's what today's passage is all about. John chapter 11. I'm going to bring you to that. If you, if you got your Bible with you, you can open up to John 11 because we're going to get to this good news that is going to bring God glory. And truly, I believe this merges something bigger than, bigger than Brandon or I, bigger than Emma or Rebecca. It actually lines up with one of my life verses from John chapter 12, um, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 12. And it's where Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If anyone has faith in me, then they will do what I have been doing. They will even do greater things than I have been doing because I am going to the Father. And I, as you guys get to know me, I want you to know that's where I posture my heart. is to believe that what Jesus did, he's empowered us to do. He sent us 
He is sending us as his disciples, and he's going to do even greater things through us. Is your faith there yet this morning? If it's not, I hope by the end of the morning, you're going to be ramping up to say, oh God, I want to believe you for greater things. Today's passage speaks about God bringing resurrection life into this world. It's about the story of Lazarus, and many of you are probably familiar with it. If it's a new passage for you, this reference I make of John chapter 11, I'm going to encourage you to read it in its entirety today. Take some time, because it is, it is an awesome story about how Jesus, God's son, does a powerful working to bring life into this world. And it really then illustrates how he was going to be resurrection life for all of us for all eternity. There's two main areas of focus you're going to see in this passage this morning. You're going to hear Jesus say, what is about to happen, what all of you who are here witnessing today, it is meant to bring my Father glory. That's one of the main things Jesus says out of John 11. The second thing that he's highlighting is that he is calling everyone who's witnessing, watching, reading this passage to put your eyes on life. And friends, that's what I'm going to call you to as well this morning is I'm going to ask you, what are your eyes on today, right now? Maybe some of you are thinking about turkey <laughs> or pumpkin pie. Do we got some pumpkin pie lovers in the house? All right, you can have my piece because I like chocolate. So, But our eyes are on all kinds of things, aren't they? But Jesus is calling our attention. And so let's give it to him this morning. He wants our eyes to be on him and on life. Come to John 11, verse 1. And let me start this off by just giving some context of what's happening here. Verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from the town of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. So you get the picture. This is a new introduction to you. It's a sibling group of three, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. This Mary, whose brother is Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same person who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And if that's a new story for you, you got to check that one out. But so this sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is actually sick. As I introduce these, this family to you, or as we refamiliarize ourselves with it, did you catch that phrase? So there's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary has already had an interaction with Jesus before this time period. Actually, all three of them had. Mary has had a special time with Jesus where she just worshipped him, acknowledging him as God's one and only son. But in this moment, the sisters sent word to Jesus that their friend, Lazarus, their brother, is sick. But notice what they said. They said, Jesus, the one you love is sick. So that tells us a little bit about how close a friendship Jesus and Lazarus truly had. Because we only hear that reference of the one you love one other time is, is John. John, the author of this book, also says he was the one who Jesus loved. And as we walk with Jesus, you know what you're going to experience? You're going to feel like, wait a second, I know I'm the one that Jesus loves. Because truly, the Father through the Son has a love for every one of us. That's how massive his love is for this world. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, 
He said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So Jesus wasn't in the town of Bethany when he heard the news. He was actually a couple kilometers away in Jerusalem. But he got the news and he responded. He was with the disciples and they were doing some teaching. And he said to them, this will not end in death, this sickness. No, no, I, God the Father has something bigger planned that's going to happen. And so he was pointing something out to the disciples to, to sit up and take notice. Now, if I were one of the 12 disciples walking with Jesus, and I had seen him feed a crowd of 5,000 times maybe five, if I had seen him heal a leprous person, if I had seen him call the layman to get up and take his mat and walk, I think, I think, I might be at a point to, to say, wait a second, we just got news that Jesus, one of his favorite, closest friends, is sick and about to die. And Jesus says, it's going to be okay. This is going to result in gl glory to God. I think, I don't know, but I think I'd be postured to go, guys, let's not miss it this time. Let's lean in and see what, what Jesus is talking about. But they didn't. <laughs> if you continue to read on, you can see that the guys are a little bit confused of what's happening. They, they, they don't understand the timing of it. Why? Because Jesus didn't get up and leave Jerusalem and head to Bethany when he got the news. He stayed there for a few more days. But then eventually he turns and he says, okay, guys, now it's time to go. It's time to go to Lazarus and his family. And the guys respond, wait, you don't want to go back to that city, Jesus. That's where they, they attempted to stone you, pick up rocks, and we're going to kill you the last time you were there. But Jesus says some things about, it's okay, we're going to walk in the daylight, and he goes back and forth, read the whole passage, but the guys weren't getting it. In fact, Thomas, Thomas was so confused, he said, well, if Lazarus is there, and he's dead, and, and Jesus is going and says something good is going to happen, maybe we should go and die with him. Like Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, was confused about all that was going on. But Jesus called them and said, let's go now. And do you know how far Jerusalem was to Bethany? It was three kilometers. Three kilometers. So literally for us, it's like Galaxy Cinemas here, walking down south on King Street to University Avenue to Maxwell's Concert Theater. Three kilometers, that's how close they were. But Jesus said, we're not going to go right now. And so you can, you, can, you can read into this if you haven't read this story before. Those of you who are familiar with it know that the tension was starting to build. What's he waiting for? Why is he hanging out there at Galaxy when we need him here at Maxwell? Why doesn't he just come and walk and meet with us? And so literally, when Jesus did start to come toward Bethany, where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were there, Martha was the first one to run out. And she ran out to meet Jesus and said to him, Lord, if you had come, my brother would not have died. Because by this point, he was in the tomb four days. So he was already buried. He had already died. They had already buried him. And it had been four days. And Martha comes out to meet Jesus and said, if you had come, my brother would not have died in this way. So there was already a posturing from Martha and her sister Mary, if you read the passage, that both of them believe that Jesus had the power to stop sickness and to bring healing. They had been witnesses of healing and miracles before. But they also were postured to believe that if Jesus wanted to, 
he could raise Lazarus to life. That was some of their posturing of faith. And so as Jesus comes to meet with them, there's confusion happening all around them with the disciples, with the sisters, and it is not unlike some of the confusion we might experience today. Is there stuff going on in your life that you think, I don't get why God's not intervening? Like, it seems obvious that God should just show up and do something right here and right now. I can tell you that the Jews in Israel are believing that today. Like, Jehovah God, you see these unheathen people. That might be some of their prayer. We who know Jesus is the intercessor, the one who came to redeem, we might pray in a little different God. Through mercy, through Christ, would you stop this war? But there's confusion like wars happening. There was confusion this week to me when I heard about Pastor Brandon getting in this bicycle accident. And I was like, God, no. You've got stuff set up for our churches. Um, selfishly, I thought a little bit, like, he's supposed to carry the weight. I'm, I'm just there to support him. <laughs> that was after a, a number of minutes. A little more sober, no laughing. I was like, oh, God, let him survive. But it's confusing when, when our loved ones get in accidents and incidents, and we're like, God, it's not supposed to be this way. I've prayed for them. I believe for a greater outcome. Like, what is going on, Lord? Or maybe it's deeper and more personal for you. It's in your own life. In a close relationship you have. Or your marriage. And there's tension happening. And you're like, but I've lived for God. I've been to church all my life. Or maybe it's with your kids. And one of them is sick. And you're praying out. And you're confused why your prayer doesn't get answered. You can relate to the confusion of Mary and Martha. And the crowd that had gathered around them on this day. They wanted to ask God, what are you doing? Or why is this happening? That's often our human response when an accident, an incident, an unanswered prayer takes place. God, why, why did you let this happen? Have you ever said those words? I don't have to admit it. That could be rhetorical. Sorry, I should have said that first. But in our human nature, we're drawn to God. I don't understand. What is going on here? And truly, we should shape our question more to the what than the why. God, what are you doing in the midst of this situation? What are you unfolding? Because Jesus has said this death of Lazarus will not end in death. The sickness will not end in death. That was his direct words. He said, this situation will glorify my Father in heaven. And so he then greets Martha. And look to verse 21. As he comes to greet Martha, she comes running out to where he is. And Martha, in verse 21, says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And in her desperation, in her her confusion, she said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Like, we all get that, believing in Jehovah. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Those were Jesus' words to her in that moment. That, that moment, moment of her confusion, confusion, and you, you can, can see she was confused, because she's like, 
Jesus said, no, 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 your brother's going to rise. And she's like, I know, and, you know, in the last day when, when the trumpets sound, I know he will. But I'm talking about today, Jesus. Like, my heart is hurting today because of my brother's death. He was supposed to be a close friend of yours. I thought you loved him. You can think of all the words that we, like Martha, would speak out loud to Jesus. When things didn't go the way she hoped, planned, dreamed, Jesus had been in their home. Martha had served. Remember the story of Mary and Martha. Martha had served Mary in worship. Jesus had obviously spent some time with Lazarus getting to know him. They were a tight friend group. And yet tragedy was setting in on this day. But Jesus responds and speaks to Martha first. Then he speaks to Mary. And he speaks to the whole crowd. I am the resurrection and the life. Friends, pause for a moment. Open your ears to Jesus' words, or your eyes to verse 27, where Jesus says, verse 26, where Jesus says, I am. God the Father was the only one who would use those words up until these points in history. And Jesus begins to repeat them. I am resurrection and life. He was truly saying, I am bringing you life. You are about to experience something that is going to set you up to have faith that will bring you resurrection and life as well. When Martha heard these words, she look at her response in verse 27. When Jesus spoke this out to her, that I am the resurrection and life, her response was, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still the place where Martha had met him. So both women had got up and rushed to meet with Jesus, to talk with him. And Martha's response was, I do believe that you are the Son of God. This is where Jesus' words kind of crescendo. This is where they culminate and come together. Because he said to Martha, do you believe in what I just said? And that question is floating there for all of us. Do we believe what Jesus has said? Well, continue to read the rest of this passage. Because you will read that Jesus came to them. And he said, where have you laid him? And they took him to where the tomb was. And and, and we read that Jesus wept. We can picture what his emotion and tears were like for one he loved, a friend he was close to. Like, I imagine it was full of tears. Even though Jesus is on the inside knowing what the Father is going to do, death still gripped Jesus in that moment because he hadn't yet taken care of death for all eternity, right? The cross was yet to come. And so he wept there. And then he said, <laughs> kind of controversial words, but he said, roll, roll the stone away. Roll it away. It's kind of like if we went to a funeral home. I've got a funeral this coming Saturday of a friend. And if you go there, it's a closed casket. And you boldly say, hey, open the casket up. Everybody would be like, what? No, don't open it up. We don't want to see the corpse. The people respond and said, no, Lord, he's, he's been in there four days. Four days, the literal, these references are literal because by day four, a body would start to decompose. The sisters say, actually, it's going to be quite smelly. Like, we don't want, but Jesus said, open the grave. 
And then his words, he called to Lazarus, come out. For some scriptures, we love to quote, come forth, come out, Lazarus. And the, it says the dead man came out with his grave, uh, with his uh, bare clothes, his grave clothes still on. But he was walking in it of his own power. He was alive. And then I love Jesus' final words there. He says, take the grave clothes off and let him go. Friends, it is time for us to take the bare clothes, the grave clothes, the sin clothes, take them off and leave them behind in this world. To let go of whatever is entangling you, whatever temporary things you've got your eyes focused on. Jesus is saying, take those off and focus your eyes on me. Because what did we hear just a couple weeks ago? I am the light of the world. Jesus is saying, if your eyes are on me, you're going to experience life and resurrection. Jesus is calling us to embrace what is eternal, not what is temporary. Can you hear him? I am the resurrection and the life. Can I share with you my resurrection story? That's a personal one. Nobody said no. Okay, good. Um, mine involves my dad. I was 37. He was 65. And there's a whole lot to my story that leads up to these moments. But I'll just give you, like, God had his hand on our life leading us in many ways. So much so that as we are adopting our, our last child, our fourth child, um, God stirred in Rebecca and I to share a home with my parents. And there's a whole lot of praying and stuff and events that took place to lead up to that. It wasn't just an instant one. So if your parents here and your adult kids are asking to move back home, just, you know, start praying. Because God actually works in these relationships. And, and so we prayed and, and God led us to move home with my parents. And immediately when my mom and dad said, we prayed and we believe we were to move, you were to move in with us and share space with us. We had, we had three kids, about to add a fourth. And instantly when they said yes, I, I just something in my spirit said there's more to this than just adopting our fourth and sharing a home. And I didn't know what it was. A year later, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. It was in his throat. And if you know where cancer settles, that's not a good spot for it to land. And so he was diagnosed with a tumor in his esophagus and needed to have surgery. So we prayed. We prayed for healing. Prayed, like, God, this is a time. This is the pastor's father. Like, you could heal somebody, and everybody in the church is going to know that you did something miraculous. But Dad went for the surgery and had the tumor removed and then was weak and recovering a number of months and went by. Christmas we had with him, his birthday when he turned 65. And, and then he, but he didn't fully recover, and, and his his body started to ache and he would have pain in his back and then they diagnosed the cancer moved into his bones and so we knew that whoa this is not a good trajectory that he's on we continued to pray we continued to believe but the day came in um, 2007 when they admitted him to the hospital because he could no longer breathe on his own capacity and so he was put in the hospital bed and we all gathered there um, actually it was me and my siblings so I have a sister and a brother uh, and we gathered together with my mom and there's more to the story, like there was a fire in the hospital and they, the fireman had to sneak um, my wife and my sister-in-law up because we're like, my dad's on his last breath, like there's so much to the story. But it came to his last moments and we had prayed, we had believed for a miracle. I'm like, I believe that Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. Like I preach it and I believe it. I'm not just paid to say it, I actually believe it. And so I'm like, Lord, I've heard of testimonies around the world. Other than Lazarus, where you've raised them back to life, what are you going to do with my dad? Because, God, this would be so cool. And you would be so known 
in Waterloo Region if you did this? And how many of us have ever prayed that kind of prayer? But it came to the moments of his last breath, and, and my siblings and I weren't in the room when he did. My wife was, my mom was, sister-in-law, but we came in just moments after. And they said he just breathed his last breath. And I said, well, guys, we know what to do. We know what we believe. Let's pray over him. Let's pray over him. And because and Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And, and there was a couple comical moments leading up to this. Um, because I explained to my dad, hey, here's what the medical team has said. You can't breathe on your own. The cancer is throughout your body. If they remove the oxygen, you're going to breathe your last breaths and you're going to go to sleep. And literally, you're going to wake up moments later in heaven. And he just said, he said, wow. He said, I'm that far gone. And I'm, I, I didn't want to say yes, but that's what his physical body was happening to him. And so he said, okay. And so he expressed his love to us and said his goodbyes. And oh, it was a moving moment. And then he kind of put his hands on his stomach and he closed his eyes. And all of us were kind of like, is this how he's going to go? Like, he's just going to quietly slip away. Within a few seconds, he just opened his eyes and he's like, I'm still here. <laughs> Well, we loved, we, we loved him, we cried with him, we prayed with him, and then he breathed his last. And so I said, guys, let's pray. Let's ask God, not why, but what is he doing right now? What is he doing right now? So we prayed for resurrection life for him. And in this moment, I'd love to just say, look over there, here he comes, I'm going to introduce you to him. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? But my dad wasn't resurrected back to life in this world. He entered into life in heaven for all eternity. And that's part of Jesus' message is, I am resurrection and life. Get your eyes on me, and you can anticipate to walk into all of eternity forever and ever. I share that story with you so that you are all aware that not all of our prayers the way we want them to be answered get answered here on earth. Mary, Martha, Brian, put the list. If sometimes things don't go the way we hope they go, but I'm also here to testify 15 years later that my eyes are still on Jesus, the resurrection and the life. And I've seen him do many miraculous things since that time. And I say, Lord, continue to keep coming. I've taken off the grave clothes. I've been there in moments of sacredness when, when a loved one like my dad passes from this world into eternity. There's something sacred about that passing from this life into the next. There's testimonies of people who've gasped, who've smiled, who've looked toward the glory that they're entering into. But friends, we can live in the shadow, in the experience of that glory right here and now. We can be fully alive, not wrapped in grave clothes, trying to wait till heaven. But we can live in the fullness of life right here and now. The way to do that is keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ. He can bring life to you in abundance, he said in John chapter 10. He can fill you with hope. He can replace shame and guilt. He can remove fear from your life and bring you, increase your faith to believe. Jesus said, the key to experiencing me is to believe that I am the resurrection and the life. That's the good news that I'm bringing to all of us this morning. That is who Jesus is. But I ask you, the group in here and those online, do you believe this message? Do you believe that's who Jesus is? As you think about that, I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? 
Do you know him personally? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? Have you invited him to come in and said, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. If you don't know him, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. And I'm going to invite all of us just to bow our head. And in this moment where you have this opportunity to say, Jesus is more than just God's son. Jesus is more than just a, a name that the world abuses when they're angry. Jesus is actually the source of life. If you've never received him and said, I want him to be my source of life, I'm going to lead out a prayer and invite you to make it your own. Just silently, I'm not going to point you out. I just invite you to make this prayer your own. Pray it with me in your heart, just in the quietness. Lord Jesus, I want you to be my life. I want you to take the grave clothes and the sin off of me. Where I've disobeyed you, God, I bring that before you this morning. And I ask you to forgive me of my wrongs, of my sin, of my disobedience of you. And I ask you to bring me and make me fully alive. Jesus, come and be my savior. Come and light me up. Come and fill me with life like I've never experienced before. I love you, Jesus, and I know you love me as well. Amen. If you prayed that out for a first time, or even you made it know it's a, it's a conviction happening today, and I want to recommit my life, I encourage you to talk with one of the Connect hosts this morning out in the foyer. Connect with one of the pastoral team. I, I'd be glad to talk with you because we want to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus. Now, for the rest of you who are already disciples of Jesus, where are your eyes focused this morning? You know that Jesus is the resurrection and life, don't you? Is there anyone here in this room that knows Jesus is the resurrection and life? What are your eyes focused on? Because God is calling you into more in this merger, in this city, in your family. He's calling you to keep your eyes on him and believe in him that he is going to take you to places you've never been, to experiences you've never had. Like the disciples, we should posture ourselves with Jesus to say, let it happen today, Lord. We are with you and believing. We're not asking, why is the world like this, God? We're saying, where are you at work in this world? Because we want to join you. For the rest of you disciples, would you repeat this prayer after me? Father God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the resurrection and the life. I'm going to live today and every day with my eyes on your son as my savior. I'm leaving my grave clothes behind and I will live by your spirit who is in me. In Jesus' name, amen. The team is gonna lead us out in a song called Firm Foundation. It's gonna give you the opportunity to express your faith and belief in God. Would you stand? And let's declare these words through this worship song. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe.
We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.